Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remembered that old saying, power corrupts. SOS episode 14. I guess we should call this the actual podcast, Second Officer Slog. Sorry, I'm your host, and with me is co-host Jackson. Hello, I'm Jackson. We have just recorded episode 15 already. Yeah, I know. That, that's a long one. That'll be out next week. So if we're a little punchy today, that's why. We're here to talk about magic to make the sanest man go mad, which is Discovery episode 7. It aired 29th of October, 2017. It is written by Aaron Eli Colite and Jesse Alexander, directed by David M. Barrett. It takes place Stardate 21... No, that is that the... Stack, that is the Stardate, weird. 2136.8. There is a Stardate in uh, in this episode. Whereas, like, all the other episodes have been going on, like, the timing. Uh, yeah. Which is, like, the last episode was in December 2256, so this is probably still December. Maybe it's January 2257 now. Yeah. No, the problem for me was I saw 2138 and I, 36, and I was like, that's a, that's enough of a Star Trek number to be a date, not a star date. And I was freaked out, but no, that's, like, Enterprise time. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. I I would prefer they just keep going, because they're pretty clear about how long it's been. It's around then. Um, it's prob- I would guess probably January, but could be still December. Yeah. In this episode, there is a party on the Discovery. Burnham is very awkward at parties, and Tilly makes no small effort to get her hooked up with Ash Tyler. Uh, They are called to the bridge, uh, Tyler and Burnham, that is, to see a space whale, which I don't have the name of because the memory alpha summary doesn't have it, so I don't know what that thing is called, but it's a big space whale. Uh, They bring it on board because it is an endangered species and seems to be damaged, and out from it emerges a mysterious figure in a spacesuit who tries to take over the ship. He fails uh, because you can't take over a Starfleet vessel single-handedly and takes off his helmet to reveal it is Harry Mudd. Escaped from the Klingons by whatever reason, and ready to take over the Discovery to sell it to the Klingons because he has he knows the ship is useful, he knows it's got something special about it, he just doesn't know what. He says he's gonna see them soon and then blows up the ship. Burnham is at a party. Tilly is trying to get her hooked up with Ash Tyler. <laughs> it's one of those episodes. <laughs> we have a time uh, loop. We have a time loop that continues many, many times. Stamets, because he's been injected with the tardigrade DNA and exists in a weird mycelium universe is immune to the effects of the time loop so he is aware every time it happens that he's stuck in a time loop and the episode is mostly him trying to continually convince burnham uh that she is in a time loop and get her help to stop uh mud from destroying the ship before he figures it out because if he figures out that stamets runs the spore drive he will know how to run the ship and then sell it to the klingons and then the loop will be closed and any damage he's done will be permanent because uh, Mud is killing lots of people every time, including killing Lorca many, many times for leaving him in that Klingon prison, which I guess I understand. Uh, anyway, there's a big confrontation. Then they all offer to sacrifice Burnham uh, because Burnham is more valuable to Mud than even the Discovery because the Klingons will pay lots of money for her because she killed Tukufma and the Discovery and Stamets. They'll all be sacrificed to Mud if he lets everyone else go. And he contacts the Klingons. And, but it turns out they reprogrammed the communicator to actually contact his wife that he is 
trying to find his betrothed, not his wife, his betrothed Stella, who is the daughter of a weapons seller who is like a rich and powerful man in this era of war. And they beam aboard and strong arm mud into going with them. Mud's going to go get hitched and leave the show. The end. Uh, It's uh, this is maybe the most like, hey, it's a Star Trek episode. It's a time loop. It's a time loop. It's a time loop. And the ship blows up at the end of every time loop. Yeah, no, uh, in spectacular fashion. <laughs> yep, multiple times, multiple deaths. There is a there is a death montage of Lor- the various ways that Mud has killed Lorca. It's yeah, because beautiful. Not only does Mud just want to like take over the ship and will slowly get better and better at it each time, he also just hates Lorca and wants to kill him in painful new ways each time. So there's just a great montage of him like walking into Lorca's office and shooting him, and then it like the camera just turns to him like as the door opens and Lorca walks in and shooting Lorca and then he walks off onto the bridge and shoots Lorca then he sits on the chair and Lorca's coming at him and he shoots Lorca while he's eating a sandwich and it's just the most ridiculous thing it's a lot I want to see the like uh so there's like a trivia fact on memory alpha that's like this must have gone on for like this at least 28 hours with how many times uh the uh Lorca has been murdered so he had to have some attempts where he just like went in and got some food <laughs> yep. like i'm just gonna take this one off <laughs> well they also they mention uh when they try to when they figure out that he's using like a time crystal to reset time and oh, it only man. works for a 30 minute loop or whatever they mentioned that he used this in the past because he bragged in prison that he robbed a betazoid jail like he memorized all the guard patterns and all the codes and everything and he was able to sneak in and rob the place blind one or not a jail a betazoid bank sorry a one i want to see a betazoid bank because that sounds ridiculous uh especially in light of we've read imzadi and i don't i can't imagine betas at having a bank much less having one that could be broken into uh and two I want the story of mud stealing. Fr- I want heist mud. Oh, heist mud's pretty good. Yeah, sequel to I mud heist mud. <laughs> yeah, sequel to I mud I lowercase though. It's referencing the other. <sighs> We're moving back and forth <laughs> through time. In a week, you'll be like, uh, you'll get it. You'll still won't find it funny because it's not. But you'll be like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, God uh mud's very good uh rain wilson's excellent yeah him like playing mud with like we talked when episode five happened that it's like interesting to see this character that on tos is like a very broad ridiculous man is like he's played with like a really quiet menace and in this episode he just shows up and starts murdering people like his violence is like very calculated and very perfunctory in a way that is like really shocking given that we've had Lorca like I'm going to do whatever it takes and I'm going to feel bad about it but it's my soul to damn and the Klingons were just like we'll murder whoever we want uh, and like sing about it and be happy about it to see Mud doing this for like basically just to get a payday is like really chilling and it's really good yeah no Mud's evil <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, and it's interesting because it doesn't it doesn't really gel with the TOS version of Mud, but I like that they're like willing to say, no, when you think about Star Trek, Mud is actually one of the most contemptible characters in the original series, and he is. So and I, we're just gonna play it that way for our audiences. So I haven't like seen those episodes, but what I know about Mud is he is a character with a ship of essentially slave women that he is going to sell. So this morally all checks out to me. I assume yep. it's like different in the presentation and the way in which like Mud uh, is played for comedy is probably broader uh, than it would be like now, but yeah, mud mud in the original series is like what if a Ferengi was like a cowboy? Okay, uh, I'm that's what I mean. That's what I get for just like the things I have seen. Yeah, but like yep. 
I like the idea of taking the morality of like what he, what that character actually textually is and working with that more than like the uh, morality of the way his like tone is portrayed of being a goof. Yep. Uh, and then when he is like at the end of the episode, when uh, his betrothed, when Stella shows up, and they're like, "Oh, the only thing, like, is there anything you needed to do to repay you?" Just like, just make sure he takes care of Stella for as long as he can. Yep. Uh, they beam on board the Discovery, and they bring the '60s with them. Yeah, no, Stella in particular is just, like, the loudest top and then, like, solid red pants that are just searingly bright against everything blue and gleaming and clean in the Discovery. When we talked about how weird it would be, like, the Enterprise existing in this universe, and you just have this other element that is that, like, not as direct, but the 60s show up on this ship and they look like the 60s and off off Mud goes to go to the 60s. Like, yeah, what that, what that actually means is that the thing that is weird in this universe is the Discovery, which makes sense given that it's a weird black ops ship yes yes it is it's the it's a very weird black ops ship yeah yeah uh so this episode's full of ridiculous things i want to talk about the fact that drunk tilly is a delight and that she continues to do science in her party dress and heels is my favorite thing in the world oh drunk tilly's so good i mean tilly's just the best in general yep uh, she's she's going through a musician phase right now. So that one loop where Stamets is like, there's a guy over there. He likes you. He says he's in a band and just pushes her out of the way. It's so good. <laughs> oh, God, man. Stamets is excellent. Yep. Stamets really comes into his own this episode where like, he was like, oh, we joked about, oh, he's just high as shit now because he's communing with his mushrooms. But now it's just turned into, he's just like really in touch with himself in the universe because he's communing with his mushrooms. But actually, he's still really good at science and being a Starfleet officer and can just talk to Burnham about like how he fell in love and how Burnham and Ash are clearly interested in each other and need to say something, goddammit. Even though he's a Klingon, clearly he's a Klingon. He's so tall. The first thing Stamets does when he meets uh, Ash Tyler is like, you're so tall. <laughs> The thing uh, that is really great about Stamets here is the way they like define his uh, mushroom communion existence uh, is that, one, obviously he's not like worse at science now. He's not like a worse officer because of this. But the way in which he's like, oh, I'm high all the time and like being weird is just that he can't be bothered dealing with anyone's like bullshit. It's like, no, yep. I don't have time to be polite. I'm on a spaceship with my mushrooms. <laughs> yep. That's really exciting. Like, he plays to other characters like he's being just oh god this annoying guy but he's just the most overly earnest person about everything at all times he's like he's a child constantly yeah he's really good and his story about him how him and uh and uh dr colber got together is very cute that that moment's excellent with them like dancing Yep, just yeah. in the corridor yes he, he dances with um uh with burnham uh, saying that hey you're gonna have to dance with tyler later so i'm gonna have to teach you even though you won't remember but just trust me on this one <laughs> and uh he um like gives her the story of how uh he and culber met and so like, yes oh go ahead oh you go no 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 because my thing will drift off at this point okay I, I just thought it was good i just thought it was a good scene it was a really like nice quiet scene uh i really like burnham in this episode but so the thing very good the thing that happens is that he's the one who knows he's in a time loop but in like tng when there's a time loop episode what actually happens is the characters start to like remember that they're going through the same loop over and over again um 
because time is weird and the way it like inter interfaces with people is weird and the way Stamets is able to increasingly get Burnham over to his side faster and faster and her like believe him more strongly each time implies that she's actually also catching on the the trick here is that they need he needs her to like catch on faster than inertia and deja vu would catch on because Fenton Mud is like actually trying to figure something out and they have to beat him to the punch yes uh, there is a good article. I bring up the um, uh, Vulture recaps a lot, uh, the Mallory Wiltberg ones. Um, and the article this week, the uh, the um, a Discovery recap, is about uh, Stamets in this episode in the context of the Kevin Spacey uh, news. Um, and they... uh, Do you want to briefly summarize what that is in case someone doesn't know? Yes. So uh, Anthony Rapp uh, went public uh, with an article um, about uh, Kevin Spacey uh, essentially sexually sorting him as, uh, when he was 14 years old uh it's disgusting fuck him in space forever um and this article is really good as it basically points out the thing that makes star trek good and the thing that is uh like tragic and um inspiring about like people coming forward with this stuff is the commitment to being honest the commitment to like Stamet's story about like the point of this article is like Stamet's story in this episode is about him basically getting together with someone because like being like open and honest uh and able to make that work rather than like oh we like each other like the work of doing things is the most important thing uh and in the shadow of like this thing uh coming out it like shows how important the message that is is a very nice like tribute to how good um because fucking anti rap kills it at the moment yeah he's, he's really so good, this good episode i did not yeah. like cause i've only like seen him in rent and stuff i, I did not expect him to be uh like this good not as like a slight to him but i just didn't know um, yeah uh and so i think you should read that article i'll put it in the link uh because I, yeah. I like these recaps anyway that like a lot of the recaps aren't that great because i'm not you know i'm very into star trek as very specific kind of perspective i'm looking for in this stuff uh and these usually hit it and this is a very good tribute to that stuff i want to bring that up yep uh no i'm, I'm excited to read that uh make sure you give me that link as soon as we're done here. i will give you the link <laughs> yes um so yeah, that all happens. We get Ash and Burnham uh, clearly into each other. You don't like this, and I think it's fine. So I, I don't love it. I don't I mind. So so I have two. I'm in two perspectives. One, I think everything about Burnham's character and everything she does is basically always perfect. She is the center of the show in a very real way. Her character is fully developed in a way that not a single other Star Trek character has ever been in this few episodes. I think that's fairly easy to say. Yeah, no, for sure. Um. Uh, but what that does is that uh, Ash, who is clearly fucking a Klingon, like not even any doubt at this point. So either is or they want you to definitely think that means that they play him too broad. I don't know why uh, he's into uh, Burnham and not like people don't get together because you know, I think you're cute and whatever. Um, but as like a relationship on television, you literally see on in Tilly and uh, Burnham's first scene, you understand why those personalities like conflict with each other, what they offer to each other, what those I mean, characters want, and how that will like bounce off each other. Yes, uh, I don't get that with uh, Ash because Ash is like too broad. He's just nice man that doesn't say too much because they haven't really revealed much about his like um, backstory, his motivation. I don't really know what he wants because he just wants to be a good officer. Because what he actually wants is he's a Klingon. Uh, and so because assuming that they are like playing towards some kind of reveal there 
Uh, and even if that's not the actual reveal, they are playing it broad enough to the point where that is like a possibility they want you to think. Uh, I don't really like buy into this relationship as anything other than doomed plotting. Like it exists to set up the tragedy of when this falls apart. I don't buy. Uh, I don't buy Tyler that much. I know you do, but so I hear that. my my I don't disagree with anything you say about this. But <laughs> one. If he's Vok, there's a very clear reason he wants to get involved with Michael Burnham, and that's because his whole point is to destroy Michael Burnham. Well, just, no, I know that. I'm not saying okay. why. I'm saying that uh, as, as like, two characters hooking up on a television show. Uh, from Michael Burnham's point of view, I think the idea of her <coughs> being drawn to someone because she senses like an innate like remoteness to him like there's like a there's like a weird like guarded like he seems like the most affable like man on earth but you like because everyone else is not like that and because it's played the way it is you get the sense that there's like something else behind it Mm -hmm. and i like the idea that her of all people would be drawn to someone who is also hiding like the alienness of their upbringing on this ship where they're trying very hard to appear like a normal human being Mm -hmm. uh like i get why that's the person she's automatically interested in like i agree i don't disagree with any of this but also i think that we're like describing we're basically describing what would happen if he was like actually a hundred percent definitely valk right Um, yes and if if he's not valk he is just a character they have not figured out and is kind of badly written which is fine for a show that's in his first season i'm not here to say that makes discovery bad but i am operating on the assumption that he is both a klingon and probably valk and if that's not true then yeah this is all just kind of bad (laughs) And, and i agree like i like i think the idea of uh Vulcan like because Vulcan uh Burnham are positioned as like parallels in the start there they're both like kind of outcasts in their society a, a lot happens they both kill each other's mentor that like they, things are bad for them in very similar ways and they actually both want the same thing and will clearly at some point probably team up before the end of the show at least that was my thinking then who knows where it's going to go now like there's been a lot of twists uh but because that's what is probably happening it just means that in the void of that, I don't understand like Ash, the character he's betraying. I wish they had given him, I wish they had given him some backstory like that is basically uh, like enough of a stand-in for like why he feels like an outsider. Because we have a reason that we think it is, but I don't know why he would be that in the show. Like I guess they should maybe play out the fact that he was on a prison camp for seven months more. Like I, that's enough for me. But I mean, I, they mention it every episode, even though the timeline for that doesn't make any sense, and we've gone over that. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't, like, play it as, like, traumatized in the way. I don't know. I, like, I know. that Like, that's part of it also. Like, none of it make, none of it scans, and last episode was about the fact that it doesn't scan, and the only person who, like, actually brought that up is now captured by the Klingons. And I agree. And, like, I, I don't think it's that, like, bad or anything. I'm not saying this is a bad show or this is, like, enough to ruin anything. Uh, yeah. I just think that the writing of Ash Tyler especially with the like fandom assumption that this is clearly Vok at this point um is uh broad in a way that could potentially hurt the show a lot in the future uh if that is the revelation uh and they are not going to do it until like 10 episodes time that's ridiculous that should happen sooner because uh, we don't we don't even have 10 episodes of the season well you don't even i meant the end of the season okay um but if that's not the revelation then they need to give they need to give ash something and fast i mean i mean like on some level i think it's okay to not have every character have like an extensive backstory when you start uh like tng isn't giving characters backstories until season seven in a lot of cases i don't mean backstory necessarily like yeah. tilly's stuff isn't backstory tilly's stuff is i 
literally the first moment you talk to her, you understand her as a character. Like, yeah, no, that's fair. That's like partially luck because of the character she is. Like, they lucked into a very. I mean, I, there's still like a weird hanging question about Tilly in that show that they have not answered yet. What's the big hanging question about Tilly? She doesn't have a roommate because of her like special needs, and they've not said at all what her special needs are. They're not going to say what her special needs are. They, she is going to be like vaguely implied autistic, is how I'm reading that. I mean, I guess so, but I feel like if that was the case, they would just say something. Especially, like, maybe I would have believed that before this episode, but this episode goes out of its way to show, like, a character that's, like, like disabled slash maybe, like, partially paralyzed in a wheelchair. And, like, judges them as, like, this person serves on the ship just fine. Like, what what in physical impairment and disability means in the universe of Star Trek actually is different than our definition of those things. I mean, I, I would love nothing more, because I like Tilly a lot as someone else who is, like, autistic and... Um... Yeah, because I also read it as, like... Though is she going to be like this autistic character? But everything since then doesn't really play into that depiction, and maybe it's just better written than most shows. But also, like I feel like they'd bring it up before now if it was a like an important character beat. Uh, I don't necessarily think anything like necessarily conflicts with that, but like mostly because of like how broad a diagnosis, uh, like autism isn't just the one thing that tv portrayed oh, as sure. for ages like it, this could totally play just fine uh but yes i would love for them to be more specific about that and like at, go into what her uh mental health situation is because i i also read that as a very clear mental health like illusion i assume that will stay at that but nothing would make me happier for them to like be specific about it i would love that but like i mean if it if it is like she's an autistic character then like they've 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 managed to do that and not be obnoxious about it thank god yeah, no. I, I mean that that is my assumption. I assume she's not going to be she's I mean yeah, she's not like a cartoon. She's not like the weird awkward nerd girl. Like Yeah, uh, and like the ways in which she's weird and awkward are like in many ways like your audience surrogate. Like she loves Star Trek the way we love Star Trek and she is like a fully fledged person with like differing interests and does like she's the most functioning human being on that ship. <laughs> the thing that I love about Tilly, the thing that uh especially in light of other characters that are like either directly or indirectly like given overtones of being autistic or mental health you know just put into that representation box on television is that she is very awkward she doesn't really like know how to interact with people that well but she understands them the fact that she like is actually the probably the most emotionally intelligent person of like the the cast so far just in a like functional sense like she explains to to burner multiple times no you said this so this person is gonna think this but that doesn't like but in in her own interaction she still has like her anxiety her awkwardness like i like that those two things can coexist because obviously i feel that like a lot like in a distance people are very easy to understand <laughs> just when you talk to them it sucks uh so i yeah tilly's great i didn't expect to go deep in my tilly feelings but i no hope... no it's fine it's just <laughs> worth like this game this show plays like weird long games with some of its like character beats and i think that's okay mm -hmm. uh if like if Ash Tyler isn't Valk and they fill it in later, then that's fine. But in like right now, the question mark is big. If he's not Valk, then yeah, this episode is really weird. But I'd be interested to see what other answer they have. Yep, no, me too. Um, and yeah, I I I hope they have something. Um, yeah. and it it's not it's not that like Ash Tyler is like bad because in every other like I watched Enterprise, I watched the first season of Enterprise. Everyone is the broadest then. Like, yep. it's because he's playing up against Michael Burnham, who is the sh the thing this show revolves around in like a very specific way no character has had this much done this quickly because star trek doesn't really work like that yeah uh, which is exciting yeah no for sure uh so what else do we got going on here um oh uh, well we got all the deaths 
we talked about the death montage. We didn't talk deaths. about Ash Tyler and then Burnham eating the most painful weapon in the universe. Yeah, part of the deaths. I don't, I don't actually have a whole lot to say there, honestly. I didn't want to say, it is nice to just see scenes, because we really haven't had them, of just everyone on the bridge doing bridge shit. Yes. Like, Burnham's over there at the science station with uh, Ash Tyler behind her, like, at security, and, like, them, like, her bickering with Saru about what they do with the space whale, and Lorca being like, I just don't give a damn, get it done, like, why are you bothering me with any of this shit? Like, just the dynamic of that bridge, like, even in that scene that only lasts, like, a minute and a half is, like, so clear immediately. Yeah. No, oh, man, Lorca's so good. Yeah, uh, Lorca being like, Burnham's like, I want to go take care of the space whale myself. He's like, I don't get it, give a damn, get it done. Yeah, and yeah. Ash Tyler's like, permission to go with her, sir, I still don't give it <laughs> yeah like when i talk about the ash stuff i mean like when you come into scenes like this which literally are the entire premise of certain series and they have to establish that in less than a minute yeah like yeah it is in a different world at some point oh god that seems so funny <laughs> yeah yeah it's really good look at this shit the the thing so far in seven this is episode seven right episode seven, it's, it's episode seven of discovery i really like that we have had two major aliens that are non-humanoid because it's the thing that Star Trek would, in theory, do really often. It's the thing that Kelvinverse actually does uh, pretty frequently because they have a budget. Giving Star Trek the budget to just have, like, a space whale is good. And I like it. I like non-humanoid stuff. Like, I know that that's, like, that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to read, like, Titan. Because Titan has, like, a dinosaur doctor on it. And, what? Like, <laughs> every time we talk about this, you have the same reaction because you immediately forget again. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. <laughs> Um, there is, a, there is a record on this podcast of me saying that, so. <laughs> uh, everyone can live our friendship. Um, any, and so like the, like Star Trek is always the fucking funny forehead show, right? Cause that's what you have the budget for. So I like giant space whale. I like the tardigrade. Uh, I'm glad that they continue to do this stuff. I also like the, the main funny forehead person on the bridge is human. Yep. <laughs> like that's clearly an injury. Cause that's the, the, um lady from the shenzi yeah um, and hers is like clearly just like a like an appliance to like help with her recovery or whatever sure but it, it definitely design wise fills in the funny forehead box yep and saru is like a oh, radically different that's a much more ambitious makeup <sighs> than they'd ever would have done before oh sorry uh the most so far in this whole show the single most kelvin verse thing happens and it is the party uh because yep. it's like playing uh it's playing music uh the... they play an al green song that i know yeah. <laughs> it's really weird <laughs> that part's not calvin verse <laughs> yeah no it would be much more obnoxious music if it was calvin versi yes uh well like the music that's playing in the background like the song that they've chosen is very obnoxious yep. in a very obnoxious yep. party way uh the difference between like this party and like um Riker coming up and playing his trombone. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, no. The the thing about this is, as much as like I don't know, like it's weird because I feel like me as a kid, if I was watching this like the age when I watched TNG, I would be so annoyed at these like adults having this dumb party where they're drinking and trying to like hook up and stuff. Um, young me was an idiot. I love that these are just human beings that sometimes just need to blow off steam and have a party and do like weird space beer pong because this is like an era before Synthale, before everyone got really boring and started doing Shakespeare plays to entertain themselves on the ship. Because yeah, like this stuff goes away in the timeline and also in the portrayal of it. It's just that instead of doing this, they like pretend to be Sherlock. It's <laughs> like you know the idea of something so 
uh, understandable and identifiable of like, oh, you're hanging out at a party and yelling at people and like trying to hook up. Like, yes, that is a thing that happens. Everyone knows what that is like. Um, but <laughs> in other Star Trek shows, it's we went and reenacted the Battle of Britain. Like, <laughs> yep. I also don't drink because I play video games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel seen, as is said online. <laughs> Uh, yes <laughs> i didn't yep. yeah you know what everyone in star trek's a nerd <laughs> yeah i know that's the best part of star trek everyone's a nerd yep. yeah it's good i i think that's all i really have for this episode it's not like the deepest episode but we had a good time i lo- i liked watching it it's cheesy as all hell in the best way yep very excited for next week's uh, next week's I know you don't watch the previews okay. seems like it's the most intense shit in the world I saw like two seconds of the preview and they did the thing that all TV shows do when there's like an intense preview where instead of like cutting directly to it it's like fading in and out through voiceover and I'm like ah yep. this is the big episode I see yeah it seems like it's gonna be a lot so I'm excited for that yep ah oh, Star Trek's good Star Trek's fucking good yep as always you can ask us questions at podcast abnormalmapping.com we have a question question. yes yes do you want to you know i'll read it and then you can answer i mean i have it right here if you want me to read it yeah leave out the leave out anything spoiler yes (laughs) Yes. you know what i mean uh i have opinions about the first line uh okay uh, Discovery is uh, quickly becoming my favorite TV show, uh, f- uh, my favorite Star Trek show, and I'm loving the, uh, sorry, this is from uh, At Need More Loot, I guess I should say that at the top. The yep. uh, uh, subject line is, it's tinfoil hat time, so yes. Uh, Discovery is quickly becoming my favorite Star Trek show, and I'm loving the direction the episodes have taken. Uh, having jumped the shark, having, wait, having jumped the shark in the what I expected a Star Trek show to be in 2017, that's not I what jump the shark means. That, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but I, I get what you're trying to say, but the, anyway, um, uh, they've been soaking up this, uh, show. They enjoy the show quite a lot. Thank you very much. Uh, anyone who wants to email us praise, we love it. Please give us the validation. I need, I need validation. I'm not popular like Jackson is. Please tell I'm me not, that I'm good and cool. I'm not popular. You've seen me with my Twitter followers. I just get anxious all the time. People go into your curious cat and say nice things to you all the time. No one talks to me and my curious cat. All right. Fair enough. Uh, to that end, I am curious enough. Well, it's part of the part of my brain that likes to speculate on the show. To that end, I am curious what your most tinfoil hat thought about Discovery is. For myself, Lorca's recent comment, being her back in one piece or don't come back at all, made me curious if Lorca's already been party to the act of all good Star Trek captains breaking the temporal prime directive. Uh, I want to point out that this person has put Orca every time Lorca goes in, and I just imagine a giant killer whale in a Star Trek uniform. I mean, <laughs> I'll watch that show too. They did have a space whale. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, has Lorca met Burnham in the past and needs her to bring him a message to save the future? <laughs> I'll admit that even when they showed us a scene of Stamps out of time in the mirror, uh, I did not know if they were going into a mirror universe direction until they mentioned it. Um, what would you like to see from our reflective cousins? Uh, for me, I desperately hope a version of Captain Year was still alive. Uh with a two uh with a ah, with the two-part prologue movie still making me wish the show started seven years prior on many occasions love in section 131 speculation book podcast glad to see the section two season two confirmation if only so we get more sos uh me too these episodes are a lot we record a lot of episodes live long and prosper loot thank you loot 
Yep. Uh, so if you want the seven years prior, you should probably check out the books because that's clearly what they're where that's going. I'm. I assume in season two we will get like a flashback on the Shenzu episode, probably assuming they have those sets. But uh, I sense. would. Is the bridge is like a different set, isn't it? Uh yes, but I don't remember. I, I bet it's on the same like dead dimension yeah. and rebuilt like. Yes. Anyway, uh, I bet uh, we get an episode that's like that in a flashback to solve a mystery in the present because that's the most Star Trek thing in the fucking world. Yep. Uh, but yeah, read the books. Check out those books. Uh, they will continue to make books in this series. I bet they're all going to be about that stuff for yeah. the most part. Captain Georgia uh, because, is great. Yeah, like they literally create that to give you a space to play in books because they don't want to write books on the Discovery because what the Discovery is might change so radically given where the like that television is a lot. Yeah, in a world where you can't have a like present day, I am reading a book of the show I'm currently watching, Status Quo. Like you can do that in everything up to Enterprise, but you can't do that in Discovery. You have to be specific about where you're setting uh, the stories. So there's a lot of space around this in the universe for them to play with, and it's all uh, in that Shenzhou stuff. Or even before, like fucking yep. uh, Lorca and Giorgio teaming up to fight Kodos. Uh, to track down Kodos, not to fight Kodos. Nobody fights Kodos. He escapes. We know what happens. <laughs> we know that. That is true. What would you like to see from the Mirror Universe, people? Oh. oh, what do I want to see from the Mirror Universe, people? I don't, hmm. Uh, I bet my prediction, and I guess this is what I would assume as well is i bet that you will see a version of uh burnham where she wasn't raised on vulcan i bet that's how they'll do with that was she raised by klingons no she just has her family oh what if she's raised what if she's a klingon warrior burnham though <laughs> I like what if she has a what if she has a sick scar and a bat left like what if she's awesome <laughs> i like that i was like well probably in the alternate universe they'd like examine this aspect of the character and you're like no no no, this is the mirror universe fuck you what if she was a klingon warrior so, so i say this and my actual answer is what i want is for the mirror universe people to not be cartoons anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh but also what if she was a klingon warrior <laughs> what if she's a klingon warrior with a six scar yes i know but um we talked about this a little bit like last discovery episode i think right yes um where the if Lorca is from the mirror universe what you, what that means for the mirror universe is like a much more reflect like thoughtful and reflective version of what the mirror universe could be uh the kind of thing that would be built off of a thing like mirror mirror where like kirk tells mirror spock you can fix this one man can change the universe and then beams off and leaves spock to get to it and we don't see that place again until we get horny ass kira in the ds9 mirror universe and it's fine i guess but it's not the same thing yeah uh i don't know i'd be interested i'm not hmm i don't really know what i would want from like i assume like the obvious stuff right would be tilly is more uh like super confident you just do them like the mirror quote unquote in what that means version of the characters right like but that's kind of boring to me so i don't really know what i want from that i'd like it to say more like i have more thoughts like you about i want the mirror universe as a place to be uh more thoughtful to uh reflect what it says about like the like more militarized state of the current universe in the war with the klingons i want like that kind of stuff but i don't actually yep. have any requests about uh i definitely want uh stamets being not on the mushrooms like i don't i don't know i don't have any good ones for that yeah. and we're still we're still close enough to the original series that it can't be radically different than the mirror mirror depiction yeah i mean it can it can be as different as like this show is from tos but like thematically it's not that different from like tos uh it's still mm -hmm. star trek as star trek yep 
what do we say about um the theory uh of Lorca and the temporal prime directive Lorca meeting burnham in the so past. we joked about this a lot when this when see episode three hit and Lorca is clearly the most evil man um and the joke like there was like a fan theory before everyone settled on your universe that like the reason he has like a gorn skeleton and has all this weird shit in his menagerie of evil things is that he's gathered them all from throughout time to be on this ship in this moment yep. which is maybe the dumbest theory i've ever heard i would think it's hilarious if it's true but it doesn't make much sense uh given the kind of like the ways in which star trek deals with time travel Lorca's big reveal being that he's from the future trying to like fix the war here doesn't fly with the rest of star trek or anything and i just don't think it's very interesting yep uh i don't think i don't really like i don't think it's like necessarily oh this is a terrible idea uh but i don't really have big I don't think it, like, says anything about his character. Like, I guess if he could go into the past, he could do anything. He could end the war. He could go back to the day uh, it started in, like, you know. I don't know where you go with that other than, like, mystery box stuff. of All Burnham has knowledge that he needs to do this, and that's, like, stuff I'm not interested in for television. Yeah, for sure. Uh, outside of that, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what is, what is your most, tin, like, tinfoil hat theory? Uh, I mean... It's not ours. Like, it's the Vok thing. It's like the, what if one of these... That, is, if... that has become so accepted as, like, the thing that the show is doing that it, I don't even think that counts Well, anymore. that's what I mean. Is it's like a crazy tinfoil theory that is so obviously true that it's not even a spoiler to talk about how someone's secretly a Klingon before it's been revealed or even confirmed that it's happening. I'm so glad this is releasing week to week. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have like a crazy theory. I mean, we we've talked about our Tilly like opinions. I guess maybe that counts. Uh yeah, the taste uh, stuff is definitely that. Our, our surmising about what Vok means if he's not, or what Tyler means if he's not Vok is maybe some of that. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, like we had like Saru's gonna get owned, and then he basically did already. They've already covered that ground. Man, if if we go to the mirror universe, Mira Saru will either not exist or be the saddest thing in the world. Because the, they can't like flip him on his head, and he's not terrified. He has to have like yeah, that's yeah. encoded in his species. Yeah. So either like they just killed his entire race and like whatever, or he's like the captain's dog. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's where it goes. Oh, I'm excited, God, man. Ooh. Star Trek's yep. good. What if, what if what if they go to the mirror universe and they meet Chris Pine? Uh, hmm. Yes. <laughs> no. Zachary and Quinto. they just they just meet the mirror universe TOS characters, but played by the Kelvinverse characters, and that's how they do their crossover. And it would be hilarious. That's never going to happen. Don't, don't, don't act like that's like a thing that's going to be real. Please know that I'm being totally dumb when I say that. I think it'd be hilarious if they crossed over with the Kelvinverse. <laughs> yes, no, I know, but they won't for a lot of reasons. One, basically, those are two different franchises made by two different companies at this point. Um, two, they can't afford most of those actors, and three, the fans would riot eventually enough time will pass where like everything in star trek no matter how hated it is at the time eventually has to become like put into the fold and you work out how to deal with it as like a plot point or a thing in the universe uh eventually that'll happen to the kelvin verse and people won't get mad every time you bring it up 
Um, yeah, I mean, one of those Calvinverse movies is really good. It happens to be the most recent one. I would like them to make a fourth movie. Well, yes, no, like they've already done the the main work of not having Into Darkness be, this is what Star Trek is. Like the work to set the path to this happening has already happened, uh, yeah. but it'll be a long time before they can actually say, this is a Calvinverse thing and everyone goes, hey, because yeah. <laughs> Star Trek fans still have like grudges about shit that go- went down in the 60s. Yeah, I... To be fair, I have grudges against shit that went down in the 60s. Well, that's a different thing. Uh, anyway, I think that's it. I don't, we don't really have any good theories, so... Uh, Jackson, yes. plugs. Oh, God, I've already done this once. <sighs> You're moving back and forth through time. <laughs> back and forth. Well, through time, yes. Uh, you can find Welcome it. to SOS episode 14. I'm your host, M. With me is very close, Jackson Tyler. So Barnum has to go to a party. <laughs> you can find me at HeadfallsOff on Twitter. You can find the shows we do at abnormalmapping.com. We have Abnormal Mapping. It is a game club. It is at thebestgame.club. We have the Amory score if you want to uh, listen to me and Molly yell about code in Cambria. Uh, that is at ineedmayo.com. We have the Great Gundam Project for one pound, uh, one, fuck, one dollar patrons who uh, subscribe for one dollar a month at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. We also host Fireside Friends, which is a very good podcast. Please uh, enjoy all the stuff. Where are you on Twitter? Let's end. Let's go lie down. You can find me at em underscore being. As always, as Jackson said, tell your friends about us. Please support us if you can at patreon.com slash mapping. Even a dollar gets you good stuff. And, uh, you know, we need it. <laughs> we need it. We're oh. both poor. We do a lot of podcasts. And we need it. We, um uh we're a bit like we're very on edge right now very like oh we've been recording for three hours but thank you very much for the email if you have emails theories even if we can't really expand on them just email them in especially about the discovery stuff because we're all going through this together there's not going to be a time to talk about this like while it's still going on once the reveals have happened they've happened we can't have this space to play in after this finishes but also, if you just want to send us an email about, like, your favorite Star Trek episodes, we'll cover those in, like, our normal episodes. We don't care. We'll talk about anything Star Trek. I love talking about Star Trek. I don't care which Star Trek it is. I'll talk about it. Yes. Uh, here, please say, assimilate this. Uh, if you want to make me mad, we can talk about First Contact. It's just going to end with me angry, though. Every time First Contact's brought up, I'm mad. I'm just mad about it. It sucks. Uh-huh. We are watching the Calvin vs. movie soon, but at some point we'll have to watch TNG movies. I will get so mad, I'm going to break my little ship. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. We're, We're done. done. We're done. We're done. Thanks, everybody. Uh, come back next week for another one of these and a regular episode of SOS. That'll be out on Tuesday. The Discovery episode will be out on Wednesday. That's just how the schedules worked out. Thanks, everybody. See you out there. <laughs>